Jill Robinson. Welcome to Breakfast with Bozzi. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure so pleased to be you. here. Um, Jill, I've admired your work and who you are for a long time. Um, I arrived in Hong Kong in 92 and started to become aware of what you were doing towards the late 90s, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also been inspired by the work and what you've done. And, uh, you know, I've, I've watched some of the interviews with you and read online. And, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a total inspiration to see um, a beautiful woman like you doing what you're doing in this part of the world. Thank you. And um, I know, you know, how you were inspired and, and, and all of that, that's well covered. But perhaps let me start by saying, why Hong Kong? Um, that's very simple. It was where my ex-husband was sent to work with Cafe Pacific uh -huh. all the way back in 1985. So obviously he was an airline pilot and I came over and joined him and my journey began very quickly. You know, I met someone that worked for the International Fund for Animal Welfare. I'd always supported them back in the UK and I offered my assistance to him if he needed a volunteer, which he did, thank goodness. And I worked for him for a couple of years before he left Hong Kong and I took over his job. And really serendipity, wow. you know, very how your path just kind of evolves if More you're like open destiny, to take right? it. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. yeah. So wow, you just, then you entered the world of animal welfare and you scratched the surface and lo and behold, yeah, it all opened up. It all yeah. opened up from there. It was incredible, incredible journey, really, I must say. And you said that you first became aware around the late 1990s. Um, and that's when I started Animals Asia in 1998. So that was oh, wow. another whole journey as okay. well. Yeah. And you started because of the moon bears and. I did, I did. I did. There's that obviously famous saying, you can't unsee what you've seen. And yeah. I, I just, I, it was just indelibly printed on my mind um, from that first bear farm visit, and especially one particular female moon bear whose paw I touched quite stupidly at the time, but she didn't, she didn't hurt me. Mm. She did for sure pass a message. Yeah. And in fact, ultimately, um, well, I never saw her again. I hope she's dead because I can't bear that she's still suffering mm. after all these mm. years. Mm. Um, but I also got a tattoo of Moon Bear on my shoulder yeah. for her, just yeah. for her. Beautiful, so. beautiful. Did you feel a sense of destiny or a sense of something profound when you walked into that farm? Something clicked. It did? It, it, it was razor sharp razor sharp yeah. I can't I can hardly describe it really but yeah. I just knew as we were walking around these bear cages and seeing the most egregious cruelty and you know bears suffering so badly physically and psychologically mm -hmm. something just turned in my head and, mm -hmm. I, and I knew I knew that walking out of that bear farm everything would change and it did yes. everything changed it was quite remarkable I, I don't think I've had, had anything quite so um, profound mm. in my life, mm. you know, as that moment, mm. but it kind of signified, I think, a journey that I knew was going to happen and has happened. And, yeah. Amazing. I, I love moments like that. And I often ask my guests, what was the turning point in their life? Yeah. What was the moment, if there was one, where they went, yeah. oh my God, Yeah. yes, I, I get it, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, that was back in 1989, and I underwent a shift 
Um, it was a powerful time, if you recall, the Berlin Wall came down yeah. and the end of Cold War yeah. and end of apartheid. And there was a massive awakening of the feminine back then and the environmental movement. Amnesty International were active and yeah. WWF and right. Greenpeace and, and all of this transformation going around us. And I was completely bankrupt um, in, 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 in Bangkok all alone. And then just suddenly clicked when I was watching this, this report on, on TV and, and I went bam you know um, what am I doing yeah. what's my role right, right. How, how can I help this it was, it was a euphoric moment yeah. in the late 80s into the early yeah. 90s mm -hmm. euphoria you know people power mm -hmm. and I wanted to be part of it yeah. you know when yeah. you're inspired by someone and you, you feel attracted to them yeah. you want to be part of you almost want to be who they are. Yeah, yeah. That's how I felt about the the, the awakening that right. humanity was going through, which leads me on to um, a, perhaps something more poignant, and that is you being a woman, of course, mm -hmm. um, supposedly in a man's world. Um, although I disagree with that, but supposedly right. in a man's <laughs> world. And the, the awakening of the feminine for me is, is one of the hallmarks of, of this shift in consciousness mm -hmm, we're going mm -hmm. through as human beings collectively. And as, as a woman at the forefront of change, yeah. um, how do you feel about it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's quite dangerous to overthink it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I did this despite or in spite of my gender, you know? Yeah. I just knew I had a path to follow and I followed it absolutely enthusiastically and just embraced everything about it and I don't think in those early days I never once thought about the fact oh my goodness I'm a woman you know I just felt I've seen something so despicable and I'd like to change it if I can um, there were one or two moments for sure working in China especially and in Vietnam you know two communist countries um, certainly with government officials that back in those days were comprised solely of men and in fact, probably being a female was an advantage because I was seen as no threat, absolutely no threat, you know, and I think that's perhaps why then we got as far as we did, why I think the Chinese government said, you know, okay, we'll close a bear farm down, you can have those bears. I think it was maybe anticipated that once we had the bears, we'd go away. Mm. <laughs> but of course, once we had the bears, we had the evidence. We had all the evidence we needed to show how badly they were implicated in the bear bar farming trade. Mm. So, you know, we had a great vet team. We were able to unravel the mysteries of bear bar farming. And from that second, we knew that we wanted to build a sanctuary. We knew that we wanted to rescue more bears. We knew that we wanted to work towards ending this industry mm. that has no place in a compassionate world. Absolutely. And do you see more women in leadership today? Do you see you, you see the power of the feminine entering our decision-making mm. institutions in yeah, the, you at do. different levels. You, you do, do right? everywhere. Yeah. And it is, and that is, is quite exciting in and of itself, mm. you know. But I don't think that people like, you know, Jane Goodall or another one of my personal heroes, Virginia McKenna, mm. equally, you know, they were responsible for yeah. a profound difference in the animal welfare movement. And I don't suppose, like me, they thought particularly about their gender at that mm. time. But you're oh. right, today, I think, yeah, of yeah. course. Because, you know, as, as you well know, we've been living in a, in a masculine-dominated uh, society for hundreds and hundreds of yeah. years, if not thousands of years. 
and I've been profoundly aware of, of the awakening of the feminine spirit. Mm. And you don't have to be a woman or a man. I'm talking yeah. about the essence of the feminine. Right. And um, I, I see it everywhere yeah. now. I see it in our institutions, especially in education and health, where it's yeah. really, really needed. And increasingly so more in business yeah. and in, in government. Yeah. In governance. Yeah. Um, why? Because we've been so masculine heavy. Mm -hmm. And the essence of the masculine is, 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 is power, is competition. Is aggression, yeah. um, is logic. It's very left brains. It all has to make sense. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't make yeah. sense. But right. in, in recent years, we've, we're seeing the feminine coming in. So it's more the essence right. of compassion, yeah. nurturing, yeah. Yeah. mother nature, yeah. Yeah. Um, and looking at things holistically yeah. or multitasking. Yeah. And following so, your heart. And following your heart. Yeah. Compassion. Yeah. Heart. I think that sort of notion before was seen as really sort of superficial, mm. you know, a little bit bunny huggerish, perhaps in the animal welfare movement. But actually, I don't think there is anything wrong with following your heart because it ultimately, as you say, it breeds compassion. Mm. It breeds people actually thinking about how they live harmoniously or not with other species in this world. And I think it leads to people ultimately changing their their lifestyle, you know, and the discipline of their lives. So, yeah, I think it's exciting times. Mm, yeah, yeah. Very exciting, and, and I see this as one of our saviors, if you like, because right. the masculine route is, is just taking us into right. this abyss. Yeah, yeah. And with the feminine coming and going, wait a minute, there's another way, yeah. you know? We yeah. can look at things differently, we yeah. can look at things holistically. Right. We, we're, we're finding that too, I think, in terms of how you you know, I, I always remember in China and, and Vietnam, you know, my own philosophy is no one likes being told what to do, They're having the finger pointed at them. You shouldn't eat this, you shouldn't do that, you know, and I think that was almost the sort of um, remit of a lot of animal welfare groups in the early days. They would go out on boycotts, which we see more and more definitely don't work. They would become, you know, um, aggressive in their campaigning and, and that, that's not me anyway, and it's not how I wanted to lead a foundation in those early days. It was to have people around the table, you know, looking at alternatives, embracing people that were working perhaps in the traditional medicine discipline and how animals were treated, and then having them come to the table and saying, well, there are alternatives that you don't need to treat animals cruelly. And I think, you know, that more holistic um, observation was something that, um, that, that you made a difference in our campaigning, certainly. Cooperation rather than competition. Absolutely, right? absolutely. I mean, yeah. the, the early days of Greenpeace activism, um, it, it was aggressive, um, but I think it, it served a role. Mm -hmm. It shocked people into right. awareness. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But like you, I've, I've always been a peaceful warrior, peaceful campaigner. Yeah. I, I like to do things holistically, uh, cooperating. So there's always a win-win, yeah. and not trying to wag that old finger at yeah. someone. Um, yeah. Especially in the food world. Right. Can you imagine us telling people, you know, don't eat meat. No, I know. Stop eating no, fish. No. It doesn't work. Attack is not the right way. Absolutely. And I learned that a long time ago. If I spoke to an audience of ten people, and I said, okay, everybody, you've got to become vegetarian on Monday morning. Yeah. Well. 
Yeah. I might get one if I'm lucky. Yeah. But if I told everyone, okay, reduce Absolutely. your consumption. Absolutely. And, and then praise them for that. You Make them feel good in themselves for you might get nine out the of contribution yeah. that they, they are doing already. Yeah. If, by just reducing, as you say, by going vegetarian, by going vegan, yeah. just one day a week, you're saving multiple, multiple animals just doing that. Mm. And, and I think just that gentle persuasion about the benefits to our health of course and the planet you know the mm. whole thing it, people aren't stupid they no. recognize that you know and, and with the new films that are coming out you know showing that diabetes can now be eradicated you yeah. know um, obviously cholesterol levels just by following your diet you know is, is incredibly pressure. blood pressure yeah. incredibly exciting all around isn't it it's a win-win for everyone right it's exactly. just getting over that yeah legacy of yeah of, of you yeah. know, hundreds of years of, right. of, of conditioning. Yeah, and it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I, yeah. I, I'm ashamed I didn't become a, a vegan years ago. I was a veggie for about 20 years. Likewise. And I, I'm really ashamed of that because the dairy industry is as bad, if not worse, than the meat industry. Yes. And, you know, it, it, and it's just been such an easy journey since going vegan. It's easy and you feel better. And It wasn't you know. easy 20 years ago, though. Because no, we, we didn't have the knowledge of food, you <laughs> yeah. know. Now the knowledge is growing exponentially. Yeah. I mean, we fish out unusual foods. Right, from right. Teff, for yeah. example. Mm -hmm. teff. Who'd heard of teff? But it's, it's, it's a staple of the Ethiopians and it's gluten-free. Yeah. And it's yummy. And then you've got amaranth and, you know, quinoa. We fished quinoa out back in <clears throat> the Life Cafe days. Yeah. No one could even pronounce it. Right. They'd say that quinoa, 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 like quinoa. Yeah, I'll have that, you know? <laughs> and now, of course, it's become yeah. you know, everywhere. Yeah. And, um, so it's a journey we're going of on. Of course. And it's so funny. I mean, who'd have thought that chickpea juice makes great meringue? You know, no one ever thought of that. I didn't even know at that. At all that. Sense. Yeah. Chickpea you juice. can't tell the difference. I forget the name of it. But it's, yeah, oh, wow. just the juice from a can of chickpeas yeah. makes brilliant meringue. When I first rocked up in Hong Kong in 92, the very first thing I did was Go and see WWF yeah. and Friends of the Earth. Yeah. And saying, how can I help? I'm an environmental designer, as I used to call myself back then. So my background was fashion. And that's actually what brought me to Hong Kong. Okay. Eco-fashion. Oh, I, okay. I came from Thailand. Right, now I get it. Right. <laughs> yeah, fa fashion, music and food are very right. dear to me. And I said, how can I help? And WWF kind of gave me the cold shoulder. Um, while Friends of the Earth fully embraced me. Yeah, May, beautiful May. May. I haven't seen her for a while now. And in each other we but, saw a kindred yeah, spirit. Yeah, she's lovely. She's like, really? You're she's gorgeous. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's all yeah. I do. I won't mm -hmm. do anything else. She's yeah. like, really? I'm like, yeah. I will not design a poster for a campaign or commercial product. I'll only work for the planet. Yeah. And she found that very novel and, and took me in and I, I was penniless. Yeah. And the first campaign I designed for them was called So you work Trees with for Life. Friends of the Earth? Yeah. Oh, wow. So okay. they took me in. Oh, cool. And I designed a campaign called Trees for Life. Right. And I designed their logo and their slogan and Super. the bags and the t-shirts. Oh, wow. And then they pushed me off tree planting. Yeah. So I discovered tree planting. What a journey. And again, it clicked. I fell in love with the concept of planting something that will be around yeah. for generations yeah, to come. Absolutely. And helps us. Helps, helps us, us to breathe, breathe. Helps the soil. <laughs> it's all connected so mm -hmm. I was becoming aware of the interconnectedness of our universe yeah. and um, I saw trees as a beautiful yeah. way yeah. of communicating yeah. with heaven and earth and um, right. 
and I loved, I discovered my love for talking to groups. I love public speaking more than anything else. And I discovered this talking to all the people about planting a tree, and it's not just teaching them how to plant a tree. Yeah. I realized that I could drop seeds of awareness into their fertile yeah. minds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I realized the passion of public speaking about something that benefits all. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, it's eventually it's on Tamana where we are today, but many wonderful things in the process. So yeah. I've, I've had a wonderful 25 years in Hong Kong so far, and I wouldn't change a single day of it to anything. Yeah. All yeah. the challenges, right. the frustrations, yeah. the fires we have to put out every day in Mana. And totally, totally, tell me. But yeah. it, it, it's, it's all worth it, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I imagine for you, you don't see this as work, do you? Never, no. never. I don't use that adjective, no. ever. No, of course not. Or a job or anything. It's just, Vocation. it's just life. It's just my life. Passion. You know, it's yeah, very passion, passion, very passion-led. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And you do a lot of school talks as well. Yeah. I do, and and you know certainly sort of business groups and our supporter, you know, presentations and things as well. Um, you know, where am I? You you say you love presenting more than anything else. I mean, I'm okay with it, um, but my passion actually is being on site in China and Vietnam and just being with the. Um, with our clients, mm. <laughs> the bears. I, I just, you know, I'm happiest for sure. You know, yes. when I'm when and I'm amongst the bears. They're massive. beautiful. They're both. Yeah, they're I both. The movie where you're showing us around and it goes on and on. Yeah. And on. Well, they they're both very different. Vietnam, of course, is so beautiful. It's on the buffer zone of Tam Dao National Park, just about an hour's drive, hour and a half drive from uh, Hanoi. Um, with secondary pine forest all around. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. Ooh. And um, China is different. It's on rural farmland, but nevertheless, it has a, the most amazing energy. And it was where we first began everything yeah. there. So I do have a, a particular connection, I think, with the sanctuary there. So, um, but the bears themselves are, are just astonishing. Just when you think you, you're beginning to know a lot about them, you realize you know nothing about them at all. Right. You know, that's the funniest thing. I see the moon bears as quite feminine, regardless of their masculine or... That's interesting. It's the essence I see. I mean, of course, they're very powerful animals yeah. and they could be aggressive yeah. and everything. But what I see in them, and this is something you commented on, that we not only look after bears, they look after us. We don't only nurture them, they yeah. nurture us. Yeah. And that's a very feminine concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I see the moon bears as teachers, yeah. as oh, compassionate sure. beings. No, yeah. you mentioned that they're forgiving, right? Mm. I mean, yeah. what a wonderful... How could they be? How could they be? To forgive someone who's been... After all they've been through. I mean, they are literally at death's door. We call them our broken bears. You know, when they first arrive, they're hideously angry as well. They're just lashing out in all directions. They can't tell the difference, obviously, between us and the bear bile farmers. And we're just the same species. But, you know, over time, they recognize kindness. There's no question about it. They recognize kindness. And they will, they will, you know, I was going to say perform. That's a terrible word, perform for kindness. But we have to do certain training programs, you know, because we know that ultimately, Every single bear that's had its bile extracted will die as a result of bile extraction that it's had on the farm. You know, every single bear, whether it's... It's a question of time. But it's a question of time. And we, will, we can have them for years, if not decades. You know, we have. We've had, you know, many of our bears since like the mid-1990s. Um, and certainly when we first started this proper sanctuary in 2000, we've got a lot of those bears now as well. But they, they will die ultimately as a result of their, of their injuries. 
Um, they never fully recover? Um, they, they, I guess not. I guess not fully recover. Um, for example, you know, we've got bears that, I mean, every bear that in China that's been extracted needs the gallbladder removed because it's so badly diseased and damaged. Um, but a lot of them have heart issues as a result of the stress of being in cages. So they have dilated aortas, which ultimately we know will pop, you know, will, you will exactly end their life. Diet, can you? you can't put them on a vegan diet. You can't, that wouldn't probably help anyway no. because they're already dilated. But you could put them in a den and keep them quiet. But what bear would want to be in a den? They would want to be outside playing with their friends as they do. And if they have heart failure during that time, well, we've done everything we can yes. and we can say respectfully goodbye so to them. So one morning you might come and they're dead. Absolutely, yeah. What is the normal life um, of, of, a, of a healthy moon bear in nature? About How many 30 years. About 30, 30 years, years yeah. Yeah, so uh, again, it's a big uh, responsibility for us now, you know, for the next three decades, it's, which is frightening. Yeah. Are they well. called moon bears because of the yeah, moon crescent exactly, shape? That's beautiful exactly, when they do that and yeah. you see that stripe. And they're all like, different. They're all different. Yeah. And, they're, and they are. They're, they're beautiful animals. Um, and I, yeah, it's interesting you say they've got a feminine side. Interestingly, the, the females can be as feisty as any male. And these, these are animals that are two thirds of the size of the males, the yeah. girls. And they will face up, you know, front up to the big males sometimes they when they're feeling they particularly upset about something. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, interesting dynamics, mm. but, yeah. How beautiful. And, you know, I, I just, the idea that an animal can forgive, I see that in dogs as well. Absolutely, no they're very dog-like. No treated a dog right. is, you, you, they forgive you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've just seen, I've just seen on, I, I, I can't tell you how much it's just shocked me on my, on my computer this morning uh, there's a guy in China that races greyhounds obviously and his greyhound just lost the race and he's just been filmed picking up his greyhound and smashing it on the floor until it's dead this Whoa. is just gone viral this video clip has just gone viral today and he's in trouble in China apparently I forget like 500,000 hits already talking about this man. Outraged, people outraged in China. Now, you wouldn't have got that several no, years ago. No. And that's what at least gives me some comfort looking at this terrible, terrible film that China is rising in terms of this robust animal welfare movement that is so much against hideous, low-life people like that. So he actually said, he, as he was smashing this dog to the ground, he was saying, um, you know, once it's dead, I'll be eating its meat. and that even more has people just absolutely aghast yeah. at, at, at what he's done. And I think, I think as well, it could be the, the beginning of the end of greyhound racing in China because, you know, we already know that there's a big, big um, issue about Australia, for example, exporting um, greyhounds. So, and the UK, of course, mm. as well. And I think with that video clip now, that mm. dog may have saved a whole lot of other dogs' lives. Mm. So I hope, I hope he or she hasn't died in vain. It often takes a disaster, doesn't it? Right. To wake humans up, yeah. sadly, you yeah. know? And how many disasters do we need, you know? Especially to shake when it people. Comes, yeah, especially yeah. when it comes to our environment. Because yeah. if we don't have a healthy environment, then moon bears, kids, nothing matters anymore, no. right? The yeah. foundation is, it's just a little bit of awareness about the 
fresh air, we breathe the food, we eat the water we drink, and it, it's coming, it's coming really fast. I see an exponential growth, especially in recent years. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of uh, customers in Mana are getting younger and younger. Yeah, yeah. Vegans, you yeah, know, millennials absolutely. and teenagers coming uh -huh. in wearing t-shirts saying, I'm vegan and I'm proud. And I'm yeah, like, wow, yeah, you know, yeah. Why are you vegan? And, you know, back in my day, it used to be for animal welfare. In more recent times, it was for my health. But now, it's That's for the planet. The planet, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. It's Isn't really it? wonderful. Everywhere Isn't you it? go now, I just came back from London, you know, went into the Whole Foods there. It's huge and it's so encouraging to see normal shoppers, you know, who yeah. still eat meat and that's fine, you know, but just looking now at all the vegan selections, you know, people like, I know I'm branding and I shouldn't, but you know, people like Baileys, you know, everyone likes a Baileys at Christmas. Mm. Vegans can't have it anymore, except you can, because they just bought it out with almond milk, you know, and it's like, what fun, you know? Yeah. You see it here in Hong Kong, you know, every restaurant now is, is putting out a vegetarian or right. vegan option. Yeah. It's, it's supply and demand, Absolutely. right? The market's there when you supply it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wish more people did it for the right reasons, for compassion and, and you know, yeah. for the bigger picture of things. But yeah. anyway, cha cha yep. changes upon us. and. Um, I, I see this as a very feminine change, yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is, uh, you know, the, the essence of Mother Nature, of course, and one of the reasons we, we've been shaping our gardens into squares and cutting our hedges into, into squares and, and, and shaping our gardens into the masculine way for so long. But now gardening is becoming a lot more holistic. You, you look at things from a, from, a, from a different perspective and you don't have square trees anymore. You have rounded trees and rounded gardens. Right. So it's a reflection of our consciousness. I hadn't even thought of that, my goodness. It's, and you see the masculine everywhere. And yeah. now you're starting to see the feminine. Mana's a very feminine business. Right. It's, it's, it's essence is, is femininity. Awareness, compassion, um, education, nurturing, yeah, yeah. health, nutrition. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. I just, yeah. thank, thank I love it. That. No, I know. I wish I was younger. It just makes me sort of jealous for the years I've missed, you know, because I remember you saying, you know, like years ago with the cheese that you would get, oh my goodness mm. me, you know, that vegan cheese, it was just like soap. It was just disgusting. Yeah. And now there's so many amazing cheeses and it will only get better yeah. and better. It will be yeah. just like real cheese very yeah. soon. And it's almost getting there now. Yeah. You can even get camembert, for God's sake, where the, the crust is cultured, bacterially cultured now, and it tastes just like camembert. And it's like, oh my God, you know. Oh, I'd love to have it's a vegan camembert. Kite Hill. I know I'm branding again, but Kite Hill do a great one. Okay. It's available mm -hmm. in Hong Kong? No, but right. I'm hoping they will come. You need to, we need to badger them to, you know, to bring them over mm -hmm. and get more of this stuff because it's still expensive and that's putting people off as well because yes. vegan shoot food by default should be cheaper because it's plant-based, but it isn't, it's expensive. It if you're using good quality ingredients. Yeah, um, yeah. Food must never be cheap. In fact, cheap food is a crime. Yeah, but then people won't buy it. Cheap food is a crime, and that's why there's so much obesity, you know, because people are chowing down on cheap hamburgers and cheap pizzas yeah. and cheap chicken legs. Yeah. But we need to try and make vegan food as yeah. cheap as we can and, and because we are, mainstream think, won't buy I think it. We've succeeded in that, but there's no doubt that cheap food is a crime. You think just because you've paid, yeah. um, you know, you got a bargain for $1. Yeah. But the amount of energy in that, the amount of trees, the amount of fresh water, the right. eco 
footprint and what it's going to do to your health which yeah. is going to come out yeah, somewhere absolutely so it's, it's a crime and we shouldn't just think oh yeah i got a deal you got a deal for yourself but what about the others yeah, yeah. everyone suffers yeah, which absolutely yeah i love one of your taglines in there on the bag was it yeah not no, not diet change. The other one. What is the other tagline you have? Eat like it eat like it matters. That's lovely. That's really well, good. You mentioned the bag, and this is for you. Oh, this thank you, <gasps> thank you. Mary, I had bag envy. Right. I have to say. Here you go. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh wow, this is matches fantastic. What you normally wear. I, I love this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, You're Bobsy. Welcome. I love this. Thank you. You're I'll welcome. definitely wear this with pride. It's thank strong you. and sturdy, and it's wonderful. I for love it. Not. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Mm. Fantastic. Oh well, I've got that for you as well. Thank you. So, <laughs> so that's obviously to save on plastic bottles. Yes. You know, to fill it with water. And our bears saying they love the water. Oh, I could you. fill it with orange juice. You right could. Now. You could. I'm just coming off a, uh, a fast. Oh. So today is first day off the fast wow. and I can only have orange juice all Goodness. day long. How long have you been fasting? Um, 10 days of no food, just, uh, just lemonade, wow. a special lemonade we make with um, maple syrup, fresh lemon and cayenne pepper. Wow. So I've had 10 days of that. Only? Only that and water. Yeah. But no, no fruit juices. Wow. Here we go. How fantastic is that? Fasting is an amazing thing to do. Have you tried fasting? No, no, I haven't. No, Maybe I should. It's too much of a foodie, right? But me too. But the beautiful thing about fasting is you become so much more aware Where? of I've who heard you of are, this. what you are, what you're addicted to, what you like, and what your palate really is. Yeah. So after 10 days or two weeks or three weeks of not eating, your senses are so refined. You would smell something before anyone else around uh -huh, you smelled uh -huh. it. And I find the best time to design a menu is when I'm on a fast. Because you can taste the food without tasting yeah. it. Just by looking at it, you, you know, okay, that goes with that, this goes with it, bam. And you test the recipes later, and 99% of the time wow. you've nailed it. Huh. So fasting for foodies is the best thing that can happen. And I tell chefs all the time, you want to be a good chef? Fast. That's so interesting. Fast. It's, it's counterintuitive, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But. What do you, you miss? You, you, you tell me truthfully, what do you what, miss? What do you miss? Okay, so what is my essence? I know that when I fast, the first thing I feel like eating, my palate is olive oil and sea salt. That's my palate. So I start to crave a green salad, mm -hmm. rocket, baby nice. spinach, mess, really good greens. Yeah drizzled in good quality olive oil and some pink Himalayan salt. Yeah. That's what I crave. That's good, yeah. And I'm also a bread eater. Mm -hmm. I crave freshly baked nice. bread coming yeah. out of the oven that I'm yeah. going to dunk into olive oil. In olive oil, yeah. What else am I craving? Um, avocados. Nice, me too. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, so good. One of my favorite foods. So good, me too. Um, mana, I can't wait to eat a flatbread called mana stay, which is um, similar to falafel but not quite. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you miss food. There's no hunger when you're fasting. You're not hungry, but okay. you miss it. Yeah. And you realize how addicted we are to food. Sure, sure. And not always. But it's life's way. pleasure. No, right, right. Yeah. Mm. 
Oh yeah, definitely one of the pleasures and uh, <laughs> already planning my next meal. <laughs> mm. So orange today only? Orange juice today, and tomorrow then... uh, juices, yeah. so I'll start with apple juice and then move on to different juices, fruit juice, maybe vegetable juice towards the evening all day. Saturday we'll be eating fruits all day long. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm looking forward to tucking into a nice juicy papaya. Right. With nice. Sliced banana and some spirulina. Yeah, nice. And I've just scored some really good peaches and apricots. Oh, how nice. Okay. And some cherries. Perfect. So they're on, on standby. Right. So all day fruits, and then the next day um, fruits as well, and then maybe a green salad. Yeah. Or a soup. Okay. Yeah. So you do it step, step by step. By step. Yeah. And then soup and then the next day always fruits, maybe a salad, no nuts, no seeds, no bread, nothing heavy, more soups. Yeah, yeah. And then perhaps some mashed potatoes. Right. Mm, <laughs> mashed potatoes, hummus. Mm -hmm, nice. Uh, baba hanoush. Yeah, um, yeah. Avocados. Yeah, you know, yeah. Slowly, yeah slowly just slowly getting in there. And so yeah. fasting is easy, but coming off a fast. And it was the great George Bernard Shaw that said, any old fool can fast, but it takes a wise person to come off it. Why? Because the moment you start eating, your hunger's back and you're yeah, not right, right. And then you completely destroy the yeah, fast you've been yeah, on. It yeah. has to, you have to come off it Again, step by step. The way you came on it, you have to come mm -hmm. off it. And what a lot of people do is they falter at this, at this stage. They've started to eat. Hunger's coming. Yeah, back. yeah. Your drive, isn't it? It's yeah. And then you're like, mm -hmm. you, you see something, you're like, okay. <laughs> then you, you know, you yeah. regret it. Yeah. So really coming off it is, is where challenge and willpower right. and skill is needed. Well, maybe I'll try fast in the new year. Mm. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. And on that yeah. note, <laughs> Jill, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Boxy. You, you too. My guest. You and, uh, Thank you. I've learned a lot. I hope we Thank see you. more of each other in, so. in the coming months and years. And Thank you. Maybe do something together. I hope so. That sounds great. Um, yeah, let's you know, do it. We, we can supply the food and, and many other things besides, you know, the packaging and it's fully compostable. We'd like, oh, fantastic. That's Check so good. The world's first paper cup, coffee cups. Oh, wow. Fully paper. Who needs plastic? Right. Absolutely. It Absolutely. No compromise. You've like seen Plastic about. Ocean? Yeah, my God. Yeah. You know Joe? Um, yes, Buxton. I know Joe, She's yeah. so. I've known Joe 20, 25 years. I don't know. Can't believe it. And yeah. she's now done this formidable film, amazing. as you see. So Craig was Just... my uh, previous guest on, on oh, the show. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. So we had a cool. good chat. And so well done for this. So well done. Completely made from plants. So there's no plastic inside. No so compromise. Well done. Really? And this is part of a V coffee, part of a vegan coffee. It's not just the coffee. I just wish you so much success. You have to be out here in the Hong Kong community. Thank you. Just that alone. That alone. So now we're campaigning heavy on, well on, on how many plastic coffee cup lids uh, are thrown away. Yeah. Do you know I never have one. Do you know how many I turn it down. coffee cups oh, are thrown away a day. every day? In Hong Kong? Globally. Oh, globally. Oh, I don't know, 32 million or something. A million a minute. A million a minute. Oh, jeez. A million oh, a minute. Oh, my goodness. How wrong could I be? Oh, a dear God. A million a minute. That's, and, and that's... You see people all the time gabbing their coffee, 
plastic lid, plastic coffee cup. The little plastic thing that goes in there. What the hell? I know, and I know. Just going, I, going I just to the like office, you know, and the containers. The yeah, and, and they're not thinking. And a lot of these people care. A lot of people yeah. refuse plastic bags in the yeah, supermarket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they don't get the connection. Wow. They, don't, they don't make the connection. So our vegan V coffee campaign is all about this. So well done. It's all about That's that. easy to remember. A million a minute. That's it. A million a minute. Yeah. Diabolical. Yeah. And where are they all ending up? Of course. In, the ocean. in our seas. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, let's um, let's think of something a bit more positive <laughs> to, end, to end our little breakfast okay. here. Yeah. Um, and you haven't tucked into your truffle. Oh, yet. thank you. Well, I will. Thank you so much. So, so what is this? This is a spirulina and dates. Oh, truffle. nice, nice. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a powerhouse of nutrition. Oh, it's good. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's good stuff. Mm. You can taste the spirulina. Good, good, good energy. It's balls. really good. So if you're going on a hike or you've got a long working day, you don't have to just a handful of those. That's it. You're off. We'll, we'll, Thank we'll you. We'll see you through. Mm. It's really good. And um, let's continue to raise awareness about the welfare of animals. Yes, please. And our beautiful planet. Yeah, well, we'd love to. And you know, as the old cliche says, change the world. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Bobsy. You too. Wonderful. <laughs>